The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Good morning, Bethlehem. Good morning. Join me in prayer. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. O oh Lord, you have called us to be a waiting people, and you have promised that with you alone there is steadfast love and plentiful redemption. You have promised that you will redeem your people from all their troubles. Lord, would you strengthen weary hearts today that we might hope in you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, earlier this year, my family attended the funeral of a faithful Christian woman whose life had touched many people over the years, including our family. We learned at the funeral that her son had walked away from the Lord and lived as a prodigal for decades. But day after day, this woman had opened her Bible and prayed for her son, and she did something else. She left the front porch light on. When somebody would go to turn it off, she said, oh no, I'm waiting for my son to come home. And that light Shining day and night, day after day, month after month, year after year, was a reminder that Jesus is the light of the world and that Jesus needed to shine light into her son's life. And by God's grace, before she died, this woman saw her son come home and surrender his life to the Lord. As we open God's Word this morning and look at Luke chapter 2, I want you to keep in your minds this picture of an old woman waiting with the light on, not giving up on hope, not giving up on a God that keeps promises and hears prayers. The Old Testament describes in detail the waywardness of God's people Israel. The more he called to them, the more they went away. They forgot their God. They rebelled against him. But the prophets foretold a day when Israel and all the people who dwelled in darkness would see a great light. Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, thick darkness will cover the earth and the peoples, but the Lord will arise and his glory will be seen and the nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. For generations, the faithful few kept a candle of hope burning for that day, for the day when the light of the Lord would pierce through the darkness when Israel and all the prodigal peoples would turn from their sinful ways and come home to the Lord. Last week, Pastor Kenny introduced our Advent series with a word from Luke 2. Fear not, 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And he focused on this this comforting command, fear not. What an encouragement to our anxious hearts. And today to weary souls, we hear the call to wait for the Lord. We see in our passage how Christ's coming brings great joy for all peoples, which resonates with our church's mission statement to spread a passion for God's supremacy, for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. Luke 2 verses 25 through 32 introduce us to an old saint named Simeon who kept the candle of hope burning, patiently waiting for God to make good on his promises. And before he died, Simeon looked upon the light of the world as he met the Messiah, the joy of every longing heart. God's word reminds us that Christ is the one that the world has waited for. Christ is the one that you have been waiting for. That's the main point of our passage. And this truth moves us to joyful worship. As we look back on Christ's first coming, his humble coming, and we wait for his glorious return. We'll consider our passage today in three parts. Waiting for the Savior, seeing the Savior, and celebrating the Savior. Waiting, seeing, and celebrating. Let's first consider the theme of waiting in verses 25 through 26. After Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, Luke 2 records three meetings with the Messiah. We're very familiar with the first meeting with the shepherds on the hillside. And then they travel down to Bethlehem after they hear from the angel. And they find Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus in the manger. But then Mary and Joseph bring Jesus down to Jerusalem in verse 22 of Luke 2. And they present Jesus at the temple. And there they meet two old saints, Simeon and Anna. We're going to focus on the scene with Simeon. Look at how verse 25 describes him. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. We see in this passage his location, in Jerusalem. His name, Simeon, after one of Jacob's 12 sons. His character, righteous and devout. His hope for the consolation of Israel and his power, the Holy Spirit resting upon him. It's interesting that Luke first tells us about where he is. Doesn't talk about his job you know, being a priest or a carpenter or a businessman. Talks about where he is. He's a man in Jerusalem. 
And verse 27 specifies that he's in the temple. We rightly focus on Bethlehem in the Christmas story. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, right? Just like the prophet Micah foretold, David's hometown. That's where the action is. But the action continues to Jerusalem. The heart, the center of the people of God, where the the temple of God rested up on the hill. Let us go up to meet with the Lord, God's people would say, year after year for the feasts. And that's where the action of our passage takes place. Why do Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple? Because they're following the law. They're offering the sacrifice for the firstborn. And our passage is clear that they are law-keeping. They're performing everything according to the law of the Lord. And when they've done that, they head back to their hometown of Nazareth. So the promised Savior arrives here in the great city of Jerusalem. And a few faithful, like Simeon and Anna, recognize him. And we know that many do not recognize Jesus. This is the same city that they will cry, crucify him, crucify him. But here, we have hopes realized. This old saint is righteous and devout, like John the Baptist's parents in Luke 1. This doesn't mean that he's sinless, but he's godly. He's faithful to the Lord. He's waiting on the promise. Now for Simeon's hope. Look at verse 25. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. This is the the line that has captured my heart all week. Waiting for Israel's redemption. Something similar is repeated later in Luke 2 where it talks about Anna and it says that she's talking to all those who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Twice in this chapter, we have the note of waiting struck. And it reminds us of the prophecies, doesn't it? All the prophets of the Old Testament. But Isaiah in particular spoke a word of comfort or consolation to Israel. Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. The language of comfort is the same language here translated consolation in our passage. Hebrews 11 says of the Old Testament saints, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but just greeting them from afar. But Simeon and Anna don't just greet the promise from afar. They look upon the light of the world. They hold the Savior in their arms. They meet him face to face. This text repeatedly mentions the Spirit's powerful presence in Simeon's life. Three times we read that the Spirit was upon him. 
the Spirit revealed to him that he would see the Savior before he died. The Spirit was leading him in to the temple. This signals that when Simeon speaks in verse 29, he is speaking true words by the power of the Spirit. Thus, old Simeon in our passage has godly character and spiritual power and steadfast hope. He eagerly expects God to keep his promises and he sees the Savior before he dies. The emotion in this passage of of old Simeon seeing the one that he has longed to see reminds me of my dear old grandmother who recently passed away at age 95. And one of my favorite memories with my grandma was introducing her to my kids. She got to meet all four of my children before she died. And her face would light up the room when her great-grandchildren came to visit. She loved to tell them stories and introduce them to all her friends. There are few experiences in this life more joyful or more poignant than meeting your children's children's children. And I think that's the, the sort of poignancy that we have in our passage here with Simeon. We don't know anything about Simeon's family. We don't have him here meeting his great-grandchildren, but we have a similar meeting. He's, he's waiting for the Savior, and he's been waiting his whole life. And he stands in a long line of faithful saints who have been waiting for the promised one. And then he sees him in verses 27 and 28. God's word says that Simeon came into the temple in the spirit. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. This old saint had waited long years for Israel's consolation. And now his faith becomes sight. Simeon sees his savior He holds the hope for Messiah in his wrinkled hands. After praising the name of the Lord day after day for decades, Simeon blesses God while cradling the Christ child. Simeon's example reminds us that the Lord keeps his promises and he hears the prayers of his people. Now Simeon doesn't see how the whole story unfolds in the Gospels. He doesn't see Jesus feed the 5,000 or walk on water or die on a Roman cross or walk out of the tomb. There's much more to the story as we read in Scripture about all that Jesus did and taught. But the Lord in his kindness gives Simeon a preview of salvation for all people. He doesn't just greet the promises from afar, but look upon the promised one and hold the hope of the nations in his hands. Bethlehem, remember that we are awaiting people. God's word tells us that we were saved in hope. You have need of hope this morning, friends. 
If we hope for what we do not see, we have to wait for it with patience. One day, our faith will become sight. One day, all our hopes will be realized. And now we look back on Christ's first coming, celebrate all that God has done, and we look forward to his return when he will come back as a conquering king to save us to the uttermost. And we will see his face and we will worship him with full unending joy. And until that day we wait, there is a new creation coming. One day we will not even need the sun. The light of the Lamb will light up our lives and our world forever. And until that day we wait. We are awaiting people. We've seen that Simeon waits for the Savior and then he sees the Savior. And in verses 29 through 32, he celebrates the Savior. Simeon's spirit-directed prayer reveals the significance of Jesus' coming for all peoples, Israel and the nations. He addresses God with joyful gratitude, beginning in verse 29. Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Do you hear the, the resolution there? The, the, just how the peace lands on Simeon, the, the freedom. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. You're free to take me anytime now, Lord. Verses 30 through 32 explain why Simeon can die in peace like this. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. These verses draw deeply from the well of Isaiah to express how God has begun to fulfill his promises. We have here a preview of salvation for all peoples. Consider the words of, of Isaiah 40, which are quoted in Luke chapter 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain shall be made low, the crooked shall be made straight, the rough places level. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. All flesh shall see it. This isn't just good news for Israel. It's good news for all peoples. All flesh will see God's salvation. But notice Simeon's stunning claim in verse 30. My eyes have seen... My eyes have seen already your salvation. A day is coming when all flesh will see, but Simeon says that he has seen. And it moves him to worship. This Christ child is salvation in the flesh, swaddled in Simeon's arms. Verse 32 unpacks your salvation in verse 30 in terms of light and revelation and glory for all peoples. This swaddled Savior is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. 
This reminds us of another famous prophecy from Isaiah where the Lord says to his servant, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Here and elsewhere in the Bible, light is a powerful image of salvation. Luke 1 says, because of the tender mercy of our God, the sun shall rise on us from on high to give light to those sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. As he's traveling on the road to Damascus, what does the Apostle Paul see? He sees light from heaven. He sees the Lord Jesus, and his life is forever changed. And later, Paul describes conversion as turning from darkness to light, turning from Satan's power to God. Light. Saving light. After a bad storm, our neighborhood sometimes loses power. And it's a strange and unsettling feeling to sit in a dark house, unable to turn on lights. For the first few minutes, everybody's saying, what's going on? The switches aren't working. It's just dark. We're stumbling around. Now, we can light candles and use phone flashlights to make do for a while. But what if there were no candles or flashlights to use? No windows to open to let natural light in? What if you just sat in the darkness and had no means of having the darkness go away? In recent years, there have been several famous rescues of a soccer team in Thailand and mine workers in Chile who were trapped in caves deep underground for weeks. Perhaps the most terrifying thing about being confined in a cave would be the complete sustained darkness that you had no way to remove. In these daring cave rescues, people were literally brought from deep darkness into the light. What a picture of what our passage describes here about the spiritual state of Israel and the nations moving from darkness to light. The Bible describes the people's spiritual state as in distress and darkness, in the gloom of anguish as the Lord hid his face. While those trapped in a cave immediately knew that they were in trouble, And they longed for the light. Many who dwell in spiritual darkness do not grasp the seriousness of their situation. Most assume that they can see just fine. Even Jesus confronts the religious leaders of his day and he says, You think you see, but you're blind. I wonder if perhaps there are even some here today or watching online who, who are living in darkness and don't even know it? Would the Lord visit you with light? Friends, the message of Christmas is that God sent his son, Jesus, as the light of the world, a true light shining in the darkness, bringing salvation for sinners and hope for the hopeless. As one song says, In the darkness, we were waiting 
without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running with mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Simeon patiently waits for his promise-keeping God. And he sees and celebrates the Savior that he eagerly expected. What an encouragement for weary souls today to see somebody waiting for comfort and meeting the one that he has waited for. And it's better than he could have imagined. Jesus is the one the world has waited for. Jesus is the one that we have waited for. He is the true light of the world, shining in the darkness. In closing, I want to leave you with two exhortations focused on this theme of light. Bethlehem, love the light and leave the light on. First, love the light. When Simeon saw the Christ child, his heart welled up with gladness. Jesus was the joy of his longing heart. Jesus was his Prince of Peace. He loved the light of the world when it appeared. Friends, as we remember Christ's first advent and eagerly await his return, would our souls be stirred afresh to love the light? To stirred afresh to celebrate our Savior and seek to bring others to him. Look at the one we have seen. Look at what he has done for us, how his light pierced through the darkness of our hearts. Don't you want that, friends? As we draw back the curtains each morning at our houses so that daylight will stream into our dark rooms, would we open up our hearts afresh to this light, to the warmth and beauty and glory of our Savior, Jesus? As the song says, Lord, let your light shine on us. Let your love with no end come over us that we may be saved that we may have life to find our way in the darkness of the night. Lord, let your light shine on us. So love the light, Bethlehem, and leave the light on. At the beginning of this message, I shared the story of a patient mom who prayed and who kept the light on to express her confidence in the promise of God the confidence that God hears prayer and does all things well. Some of you have similar stories of prodigals who have come home after you've prayed for months and years. Or you have testimonies of how God heard your prayers for healing from serious illness or provision when times were tough. I know that many here today and watching online are still praying, are still waiting. You're waiting for a loved one to come home. You're waiting for broken relationships to be mended. You're waiting for broken bodies to be healed. Some of you have been praying these prayers for a long time. 
And you might wonder if the Lord's ever going to answer before you die. Friends, remember the example of Simeon. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And he was waiting a long time. We see in our passage, faith becomes sight. Even though for many of us it is still future, for all of us in some sense, it is still future. As we long for all things to be made right. We are awaiting people. And we have a faithful, promise-keeping God. Be encouraged by Simeon's waiting for the Savior and his joy in meeting the Messiah. Friends, don't lose heart. Keep the light on. Hold on to hope. Let's pray. Oh Lord, for our tired souls, for our weary prayers, would you breathe fresh encouragement through your word today? Help us to wait well. Help us to hope. Thank you that you are a promise-keeping God and that you do all things well. Shine into our darkness afresh. May we love the light and long for your return, Lord Jesus. We ask in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.